Welcome to GRE Snacks, snackable episodes about the GRE exam and graduate school admissions. I'm Tyler, founder of Achievable. Our GRE course includes everything you need to ace your GRE, full textbook, tons of GRE questions backed by our memory-enhancing algorithm, and full-length practice exams. You can try it out for free for Achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast will get you 10% off the $1.99 price at checkout. Also, if you have any questions or a topic you'd like us to discuss in a future episode, we'd love to hear from you, and you can contact me at tyler at achievable.me. Now let's get started. So today we have Charles Biblios on the show again. Charles, good to have you here. Do you mind just giving a quick intro on what you do? Sure. Uh, my name is Charles. I run a little company called GMAT Ninja, uh, badly named because we've actually been doing Jerry longer than we've been doing GMAT. also do LSAT and executive assessment, and uh, I started teaching GRE back in... 2000 or 2001, been doing it more or less continuously since. And yeah, lots of time spent in testing rooms and multiple perfect scores, which sounds a lot less impressive if I tell you how long it took me to get one. <laughs> hey, I think uh, I think getting a perfect score is always impressive, right? Um, it's hard to <laughs> After do. 10, year, 10 years of teaching, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, at that point, you're like, oh, I've got this down cold. Um, so today, the, the topic that I thought was really interesting is um, for sentence equivalent and text completion on the GRE verbal, vocab isn't your problem, and it's your process that's the problem. So uh, if you care to explain, I'm yeah. curious about this one. So one of the things we hear all the time, students will come in and say, hey, my, my GRE verbal score is not where I want it to be. I'm however far, seven points, five points, 10 points away from my goal. And my vocabulary is really bad, and I don't know what to do about it. Uh, so so I spend an hour a day with, with GRE vocabulary flashcards. And it seems like that's the answer. And for the overwhelming majority of students, we tell them, don't put, put the flashcards away. Don't waste your time memorizing vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest, the single biggest reason for that is that the mistakes we see that are really consequential don't come from missing vocabulary. It comes from a bad process. And what we see almost every single student that walks in the door that we work with one-on-one, almost every single student comes in the door and they, they read We'll focus on text completion. They, they kind of read through the sentence quickly. And as they get mm-hmm. to that blank, they start scanning through the answer choices and going, hmm, which one of these sounds good in there? And let's say that the question just has one blank and they kind of start scanning through and they start rereading the question, punching those words in and go, hey, which one of these do I like? And they go with the one that kind of sounds right to them and they, they, they kind of like it there. And Sounds like a trap. Yeah, pretty much. And... <laughs> And it's not to say, I don't want to make it sound like the GRE is out to get you because that is by no means the intent. They're trying really, really carefully to build a test that's testing you on certain skills and yes, your vocabulary, but your ability to kind of put together a sentence that that kind of matches the meaning of everything that's already in the sentence for you. They're mm-hmm. trying to be fair. They're not trying to get you with traps, but, but yeah, it kind of is a trap in the sense. How do you make these questions hard? How do you make text completion hard? There's really two ways to do it. One is, sure, you can ramp up the, the difficulty level of vocabulary mm-hmm. until your eyes bleed. That happens. That's a thing. But the other way is that you you provide answer choices that sound really, really nice in the immediate surroundings of the blank, but don't actually make sense given the context of the rest of the sentence. Right. So what we constantly push students to do, and it's a really hard habit to develop, especially if you've already practiced a ton of questions, and you've just been punching words in and seeing which one sounds best, the habit we try to get students to develop is take a moment, read the sentence, think about what's really going on in the sentence, which sounds really, really dumb, but almost everybody skips that step. 
and think about what role does the blank play and what other part of the sentence is pointing you towards that blank. So for example, mm. that blank might be something that has to, let's say, contradict something else in the sentence. It might have to agree with something. It might reinforce a point somewhere else in the sentence. It might be a synonym for something in the sentence. So whatever that is, think really consciously about it. And we don't let our students move on. To, we don't even want them to look at the answer choices until they've said the role of this blank is whatever that role is. This must contradict this other part and think right. about it deeply. Yeah. What are what are the roles, if you don't mind just like doing a quick little side tangent, like what are the roles to look for? Yeah, that's a really good question. And and I I think... There are some that fall fairly neatly into categories. There's others that don't. So mm -hmm. one way we can give the GRE some credit is they can get creative with these. Like sometimes you have things where it's like, well, I've never quite seen anything where the role is exactly that. But in most cases, you're going to have, I'd say a small majority of cases, it's going to be, it's going to contradict something else in the sentence. Mm -hmm. It's going to support something. It's going to echo something. It's going to be some sort of synonym. It's going to deepen a point that's made. Um, usually those are the things you typically see, maybe 20 or 30% of the time maybe a little less than that. They find a way to get creative and it's doing something else. Mm -hmm. But you can still pin it down. You can still pin it down to something and say, well, hey, here's the chunk of the sentence that this is related to. It qualifies it in some way. Well, what exactly does that mean? That one's a little more subtle. But you should be able to point to something else in the sentence and say, okay, the blank is going to perform some sort of function in relation to this other piece of the sentence. Got it. Okay. So... The question I usually get when we say this to students, they'll usually say, okay, that, that, that sounds straightforward enough and they practice it. And sometimes they, they really struggle to break their old habits and sometimes they get it right away. But the, the pushback we typically get is, yeah, but there are still words I don't know. And mm -hmm. in, unless your vocabulary is absolutely incredible, it's going to be the case for you, right? Yeah. I mean, the GRE vocab list is like, what, 1,500 to 2,500 realistically. It's, that's, and it's mostly stuff that you'll never, ever see again. Yeah. And, and that's exactly it, Tyler, you nailed it, is so, yes, well, you're all else being equal. So if you give me two different GRE test takers and their reading skills are equally strong and their, their, um, their process, their approach to text completion and sentence equivalent is, is equally solid, they're doing exactly what we train them to do. Yeah, if one of them has a better vocabulary than the other, the one with a better vocabulary should do better, right? All else being equal. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason why we still, even though vocabulary matters, I'm not saying it doesn't, but the reason why we almost never tell students to study vocabulary really is, is twofold. One is that that list of vocabulary words, whatever we mean by that list, right? You could see any word in the English language on your GRE, right? Anything's fair game. Uh, we compile lists. You, you know, many companies have compiled lists of, of um, hard vocabulary words that have appeared in, in GRE questions. And you end up with something like 1,000 or 1,500 or 2,000 words. How many of those are you going to memorize? How long is it going to take you to memorize those? Right. If you do memorize them, what are the odds you see them? If you do memorize it and you happen to see it, what are the odds that you understand the definition well enough to use it in context? So that's problem number one is it's just this mountain of stuff. And when you think about the opportunity cost, what else you could do with that time Right. that would be much more effective for you than trying to cram in a bunch of vocabulary words, it's not a winning strategy for most people. Mm -hmm. Secondly, it actually turns out that so we're, we're nerdy enough at GMAT Ninja that uh, I actually went and dug up some of the studies on this. Vocabulary acquisition. And what's the best way to do it? Do you just memorize from a list or do you do something else? For example, mm -hmm. just read a lot. And, and that's how we typically acquire vocabulary. We talk to people. We read stuff. 
mm-hmm. things sink in. Maybe we look some look up a word we don't know, try to figure it out from context. But it turns out when you just sit there and you memorize definitions, it doesn't stick. Mm. Your vocabulary can actually go down. There was a study done on, um, I want to say it was Chinese, um, Chinese students who were trying to learn English. And they gave them four or five different vocabulary learning strategies. And the one that performed by far the worst, their vocabularies actually declined over time, was the group that sat there and just memorized off of flashcards. Because it's not how our brains work. It doesn't help create durable working memory. And when you see it in context, you might go, I've seen that word before, but can you do anything productive with it? The answer generally is not really, which is why Mm -hmm. we say to people it's a waste of time. The one big exception is if we have a student who... I had a student years ago, her quant skills were really weak. She needed months and months of work on them. She had a visual processing disorder where it, it was hard for her to get quant to stick. She was a, she was a strong reader, but mm-hmm. she had to go over quant topics over and over and over again to reinforce them. And we knew that. She knew that from the start. We knew she'd be studying for six months for the GRE. And I said, well, hey, if you're commuting by bus or train or something, go ahead and sit there with your vocabulary app on your phone because why not? Yeah, that's yeah. not taking away from your other study time. Stand in line at the grocery store and knock yourself out. But if it's going to crowd out other time you would spend studying something more productive, it's not worth it. Yeah. So then you, you mentioned essentially the next part of the statement, right? Vocabulary isn't the problem. It's your process, right? So what are the common process mistakes people make with the text completion and sentence equivalence uh, question types? And, or like alternatively, kind of what process do you recommend? Or maybe both? Yeah, the biggest thing is they, they just go off of ear is the most common mistake we see from people who are, are just rolling in and starting tutoring with us. They, again, mm-hmm. I kind of described a little bit earlier, they'll read the sentence, start punching words in from the answer choices and go with the one that sounds best or feels best in context. That's the biggest crime that we see. Um, the second one that, that I think we see in general in quantum verbal, and this is, a I think, a broader issue of mindset when you take a test. Some people just hurry. They just do everything too quickly. And they're so jacked up about time that they just don't read anything very well. But that's a more general issue than that it's not necessarily specific to text completion and sentence equivalence. Now, the fix for that overall problem is spend more time on the sentence. Don't look at the answer choices. Spend more time on the sentence than you think you need. Uh-huh. And you should be able to form a very, very clear sentence, write it down or keep it in your head. Doesn't matter to me, whatever works best for you as a student, but you should, before you even look at the answer choices, be able to say this, the role this blank plays is this relative uh-huh. to some specific excerpt of the sentence. You should be able to underline a portion of the sentence, not on the computer screen, but in theory, point to a chunk of the sentence and say, the blank does this in relation to that piece of the sentence. If you uh-huh. do that every single time, you might get beat by a question that has two or three really hard words that you don't understand, but you're going to maximize your odds. You're mm-hmm. not going to beat yourself. You're not going to fall into a trap if we want to call it that. And if you do know all of the words or all but one of the words, better still, you're going to get the question right every time mm-hmm. if you can do that effectively. Right. Yeah, because process of elimination. I mean, do you feel like there's any value in like imagining what the word like would be like a very simple word? Like if it like you're like, you know, bad, good, like like, you know, just putting some placeholder in the in the blank in your head before you go look at the answer choices. Is that a trick or a trap or is that a good idea? That's a great question, Tyler. I I think it does more harm than good, Okay. because when you try to reduce all of the subtlety of those questions and. One of the things that I think a lot of our students are tired of hearing me say is that 
these these standardized testing companies they spend thousands of dollars developing every individual que test question. The amount of testing and editing and data collection that happens on these is is absolutely astronomical. These are very very carefully crafted questions, and I have all sorts of beefs with the GRE. We we can rag on some of the things they do that I don't think are great, but the questions are very very carefully constructed. And there's a lot of nuance to them, and if it was that easy that you could just say, well, in the blank goes a bad word or a positive word or a negative word, that's probably not a question that's going to cost $3,000 to develop, right? And, mm -hmm. and we see that backfire on students all the time because you lose a lot of the richness. And there are very, very few words out there where, where some of those simple tricks, bad versus good, positive versus negative, really help you much. How many words in the English language are negative? Plenty mm -hmm. of them. But the vast majority of words are neither negative nor positive. And if you get yourself anticipating something and going, oh, this is a positive thing that goes in here, you're going to start hallucinating meetings and the answer choices, and you're going to find an answer choice that, that you think is positive when it really has nothing to do with the rest of the context of the sentence. Okay. Yeah. So it really is focusing on the context and what that word is going to be doing in the sentence. Yep. And anticipation tends to hurt you. If you think of a word that should go there, then it get, becomes a lot harder just psychologically to, to read the, the answer choices that are there and really think about what exactly do they mean and what exactly do they do to this sentence because you're jacked up about putting in the thing that is most like the thing you imagined. And there might be a whole ton of different words that could work in the sentence. And if you've anticipated one, it's actually a little bit more, more likely that you're going to fall into some sort of trap because you're looking for something that conforms to your expectation instead of taking the, the three or five answer choices or six answer choices they give you and picking the one, or in the case of sentence equivalents, the two answer choices that create a perfectly reasonable sentence. Yeah, that is always the key, is <laughs> to create a perfectly reasonable sentence. I think that's a really good way of putting it. Uh, well, great. This has been GRE Snacks, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with Charles, Charles Biblios from GMAT Ninja joining us today. You can try our Jiri, uh, Achievables Jiri course for free at achievable.me and use the code podcast to get 10% off at checkout.